0: Chicago is in the midst of a rat girl summer. I'm... (laughs) One more time. Chicago is in the midst of a rat girl summer. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Okay, maybe not the rat girl summer that's taking over TikTok right now. You know, the trend where you scurry, eat treats, and generally live without shame? Yeah, not that one. The one I'm talking about is way more than an internet trend. The city is having a really hard time keeping the rat population at bay. Just last year, Chicagoans made 50,000 complaints about rats. 50,000! Now naturally, we had to get to the bottom of Chicago's war on rats with the folks behind a recent investigation on the problem. We spoke with Illinois Answers Project reporter Casey Toner, Block Club Chicago reporter Mina Bloom, and Director of Research at Landmark Pest Solutions Rebecca Fife. Now, before we dove into the investigation, we had to get everyone's craziest rat stories. Here's Mina Bloom um, kicking it I off for
1: us. To one former uh, former ward superintendent who said that um, he's encountered people who kill rats for sport. <laughs> one guy said he killed more than twenty in a year. I think through suffocation. That really struck me. Um, another story that made it into the piece: one couple, Scott and Emily, in Humboldt Park. They were battling with rats for several months last year and they actually had a rat nest in back of their apartment building and the rats were very obsessed with their car um their car kept malfunctioning because the rats were chewing on their car wires mm. things like that and and then one day a uh, Scott uh got into the car and a, a rat like ran up his arm um and
0: <laughs> oh my was, goodness that
1: thoroughly grossed me out um and uh, it's an experience that other people have had as
0: well. That would be a wild story. Yeah. How about you, Casey? With a woman who
2: said that, um, you know, she couldn't even enjoy wine in the backyard, um, you know, with her friend in the summertime last summer because of the sound of Matt's raiding, uh, rats mating. Um, oh, and, dear. Then, uh, <laughs> and then, more, uh, you know, <laughs> a little bit closer to home, one of my friends um, actually had a rat. Run across her foot in the parking lot of our building. Um, so, there, there is a problem that hits close to home.
0: Wow, Rebecca. What about you? I know you've heard some stories.
3: I think the most surprising thing about rats is that um, people just assume that, you know, a 50 cent rat trap is the solution to rat problems. But we help so many clients who have to make major structural modifications to keep rats out of their uh, homes, like removing a wrought iron bathtub to fix an area of the slab where rats are coming through. There's actually breaks in sewer lines where rats can come through slabs if the penetration is too large around plumbing. And that's something we see every... Every day. The most recent one had a $9,000 price tag on it. Wow. My goodness. Well, you know
0: what? I got to reveal something. I am in the minority of people who live in Chicago because in my two and a half years here, I have not come across not even one rat. And my team thinks I'm weird. (laughs) It just hasn't happened yet. that is shocking. I know, right? I literally, not not even in passing, like I just have not laid eyes on one, but I'm knocking... On all types of wood, but but uh, you know, no one knows how many rats there actually are in Chicago, Casey. But, but we had we have an idea that complaints have been up since the pandemic. How much?
2: Well, last year, Chicagoans made more than fifty thousand rat complaints uh, to the city of Chicago, and this is a slight decline from the prior two years, but. This is still more than, you know, any other number of complaints going as far back as uh, 2010.
0: Wow. Uh, Early on in the pandemic, Rebecca, some experts were saying that people, maybe they were just home more and noticing the problem. Is that it? Or are, are there other factors that you would say contribute to the increased number of complaints?
3: Our trapping data indicates that populations are actually higher. There are areas where we've been trapping for a decade, and we're trapping more rats in those areas now.
0: Oh, my goodness.
3: So tell us about
0: the department that's tasked with with managing the problem, Casey. What's the role and and its mandate?
2: Well, the Bureau of Rodent Control is responsible in the city of Chicago for responding to these complaints. You put in the call saying that you see rats in your alley, and they'll come out and they'll put some poison down, Um, you know, and that that's basically what they're supposed to do. Um, but, you know, we kind of found that there's some shortcomings.
0: It's understaffed and it's its well behind on on responding to requests, right?
2: That's right. That's yeah. right. Right now they're down by uh, about a quarter of their employees since 2019. And, you know, they have this goal of, um, you know, responding to each complaint within five days. And we found that the median complaint in the past couple of years, you know, are kind of blowing past their own goalposts that they set. Yeah.
0: Goodness. Mina, what did you hear from people about how long they waited to get a response and and maybe the kind of toll that that took?
1: Yeah, I mean, we we heard from a lot of people that they would call 311 and um either the city would never come out or they would come out many days later and it was distressing. I mean, the, there's one woman who is in the story, Liz Murray. She had a rat infestation in her Ukrainian village apartment, which is just awful, like the worst thing you can imagine. Um, and she tried repeatedly to get help from the city and from her landlord and nothing worked. All of her calls were just ignored. Um, we, you know, we dug into her case and found that, yes, the the city did not, uh, did not do abatement in her building.
0: Goodness. And your analysis found one neighborhood with the most complaints That's clearing on the southwest side. I mean, this isn't Restaurant Row, but where overflowing dumpsters are usually, you know, the cause here. So what do you make of those findings, Casey?
2: Well, one of the things that people told us out there was, you know, while they're kind of far away from, uh, you know, the Lakeview area with, you know, high density and a lot of restaurants, what they have been dealing with out there is a lot of construction and a lot of demolition. Some of it's coming from Bedford Park, which the city has no control over, Um, you know, but they're also building some big projects out there. And one of the things that we talk about in our story is that, you know, when you demolish a building in the city of Chicago, you have to have proof. That you have done road abatement before you get that permit, um, but with a construction permit, you know, if you're building, you know, a huge new building or you're renovating a mm-hmm. big old building that has a ton of rats in it, you need to say that you've 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 done this. But you know, it only really matters if somebody asks for it. So you can start your construction, you can you know send a bunch of rodents scattering into people's neighborhoods and into people's houses, uh, but it's only really matters if a city official asks them whether they've done it.
0: Interesting. Your thoughts, Rebecca, on, I mean, were you surprised at all as
3: to the Southwest side being... No, I'm not surprised about that. And I want to expound on what Casey said about the Chicago um, construction site road and abatement ordinance, which requires pest control to be on site from when excavation begins until the site is restored to grade. I think that we really need to look at how many sites are in compliance, because just from my own anecdotal experience, I would say that very few sites are in compliance, because Mm. when a site starts to have problems, like a neighbor makes an aldermanic complaint And that's the day that we get the phone call saying, help bring our site into compliance. Uh, We'll ask, you know, a lot of the construction firms, well, let's get all of your sites into compliance. How many projects do you have going right now? And they respond to us, oh no, this is the only one that we have an aldermanic complaint at. The other ones seem fine. So they even let us know that that they're not in compliance. So I think that is kind of low-hanging fruit um, that we can approach and get sites to to comply proactively before there's a complaint. Yeah, so in an ideal world, what should happen
0: during a new construction project?
3: Well, if the ground is going to be disturbed um, with excavation, they need to have uh, pest control under contract, and uh, there need to be some standards attached to it. So when we provide construction site road and abatement compliance pest control, we visit weekly if there are known rats on the site, monthly if there aren't. We inspect the entire property by walking it, uh, bait all burrows, collapse the burrows that we bait, and keep Keep above ground tamper resistant locking bait stations on the site to control any rats. So we're able to maintain completely rat free construction sites. And some need it monthly, some need it weekly. So I think that you know if monthly abatement doesn't doesn't deliver a, a rat free site, that it needs to be more frequent. And I think that that's that the ordinance needs to be needs to be modified to have those standards stated in it.
0: Yeah, and so we're clear, Casey. Violators are fined for not following these protocols, but there's no enforcement, right? So, so these can just rack up.
2: Yeah, what we found is that the city uh, has issued more than 156 million dollars worth of rat-related tickets going back to 2019, uh, and of that, 126 million is outstanding, meaning that people have paid. And you know, we found in one instance. Ah, uh, there's this North Suburban woman, Susie B. Wilson, who's managing dozens of companies, and these companies have been fined more than 15 million dollars uh, for rat-related tickets in you know poor parts of the South and West Side, and you know these companies have paid uh, almost none of that back. Hmm.
0: And there's a there's a disconnect between who follows up on complaints and who writes tickets, right?
2: Right. Um, the way it works in the city of Chicago is if you put a complaint in, you know, rodent control will come out and will do their inspection uh, and put some poison down, right? But they're not the ones uh, who are writing tickets despite seeing conditions that can greatly contribute to the rat population in Chicago. I mean, they're the ones that are going out to alleys, and they're the ones that are seeing you know, dumpsters that are overflowing and you know, rats that are in the dumpsters, uh, but they're not the ones who are writing tickets. For the most part, these are streets and sanitation officials who are hearing it from the ward office. So if you file a complaint with 311 and you think that this is going to be taken care of, and that someone's going to be out there uh, bringing an offender into compliance, that's not what, what's really
0: happening. I mean, so despite the fact that the, the Bureau is is the one, you know, they're the ones that are seeing the conditions firsthand, that job to write tickets is left to streets and sand. That's correct. What, what do they say is the reason for this, this disconnect?
2: Um, they haven't really explained it. You know, we asked them, you know, but they basically said that this is, you know, pretty much uh the way we do it i mean there's something to be said i guess you know if you write the ticket you have to you know know the law yeah. certainly and kind of understand what you're I doing i hope so uh, uh but no one's kind of explained how exactly that works to us
0: So mina the, this is even leading the city's inspector general to audit that department right
1: that's right the inspector general's office they launched an audit in january And they said it was after they received multiple complaints about the efficiency and effectiveness of the city's rat abatement program. Um, Essentially, you know, they've been hearing a lot about rat complaints in the city. And they want to figure out, you know, whether um, the Bureau's services are equitable and and follow the best practices. So we'll see where that investigation
0: heads. So, Rebecca, we're basically, I think, creating this buffet for rats with the way that we're disposing of garbage in our alleys, because rats can essentially burrow inside of garbage bins, right? And and the Bureau of Rodent Control actually increased its garbage cart replacement budget this year from $3.3 million to $4 million, which sounds like a lot, but is it enough?
3: Well, rats can climb into carts really easily if the lids are open. Squirrels uh, like to chew through the lids. They can do that even better than rats. So they make the holes and then rats can have the access. And then garbage disposal that has nothing to do with the city, that is private garbage disposal, a lot of times those are metal dumpsters and metal compactors. And those compactors are not designed to keep rats out in any way. So we have a lot of commercial clients and municipal clients. Um, and they're using compactors and those are contributing to the rat issues as well. So it's not just the plastic garbage carts that are um, affecting that. And there's a lot of things that are property that aren't garbage that rats also eat. Um, Our pets, dogs especially, eat highly nutritious food. And when they um, go to the bathroom, that food is still highly nutritious. So rats can nourish themselves with pet waste if it's not picked up immediately um, when the dog goes to the bathroom. And And gardens are also uh, contributing to a lot of uh, waste that are plants, you know, and things that rats can eat, especially compost piles. Mm -hmm. We increasingly um, have Chicagoans who are raising chickens and doing backyard animal husbandry. And a lot of our um, most challenging residential accounts in the city of Chicago are people who are gardening and raising chickens. And I think those husbandry activities are wonderful and should be encouraged. But I think that those people need to take some additional steps like using above ground composters on legs, the mm-hmm. barrel style rather than any compost that's in contact with the ground and, um, you know, controlling what chicken feed, how chicken feed is stored and even chicken droppings to help uh, alleviate rat issues.
0: And so, I mean, all around, including these folks that you're talking about now, it's a, it's a question of like how we dispose of our waste and Probably also needing better containers, right, and better a better collection process. Yes. Yeah. Casey, other governments are contributing to this problem. How so?
2: Uh, well, we found that, um, you know, the city, in addition to, you know, fining uh, landlords and companies and restaurants, you know, for creating, uh, you know, rat, uh, good conditions for rats, we also found that the city had fined uh, other governments um, you know, within the city for the same thing. And these are, um, you know, governments like the Chicago Housing Authority, which, you know, is not you know taking care of its trash, so trash is spilling out. Or uh, the Cook County Land Bank Authority, um, this government agency that is, you know, supposed to get properties and then put them back into to private hands. But, you know, there's junk left on the properties and rats like to live under the junk. Um, You know, but with the the Chicago Housing Authority, one of the the things that we found is that there is this um, uh, building in the Rogers Park neighborhood, and there were 20 rat holes that were on the property. And, you know, these rat holes were discovered by the city in May. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to them, and, you know, by some time in July, they told me that they had someone come and take care of it. You know, so this was a couple months delay in yeah. when it was reported and when the city did something about this. And the residents there said that there were rats everywhere. Um, That's you know, not so it's a big enough. problem.
0: Yeah, for sure. Mina, what did you learn about how other cities are tackling this problem?
1: Yeah, we learned a lot through this reporting process. Um, your listeners might be aware that New York City, they appointed their first ever rat czar earlier this year, right. um, which got a lot of press. And what they're doing is basically, like, they're coordinating with other city departments and rolling out new technology. They're increasing inspections. They have a dedicated team working on this. Um, and, uh, you know, the officials in New York City, they're saying that rat complaints are down. They were down 20% for part of the summer over last summer. So, mm. you know, we'll we'll see how that continues to, to play out. But it seems like things are that, – that dedicated team is, is – uh, Is making a difference, and then we also looked at other smaller northeastern cities: Um, Somerville, Massachusetts; Portland, Maine; Cambridge, Massachusetts. All these smaller cities—they're all using this new technology called smart boxes. And essentially, they're these devices that are specifically designed to electrocute rats and then send data to the, the municipality that's using them. And the cities that are using them say that they've been successful not only at getting rid of rats but also figuring out, you know, where to deploy the most resources. And those cities say, look, we're going to keep expanding because we think these smart boxes are working out great.
0: Goodness. Well, uh, you have piloted, Rebecca, a pesticide-free rat trapping program. Uh, at a rat infested community garden tell us about that and and why you see that it's uh, an important strategy yes. in fighting rats
3: Absolutely. There's a, a wonderful organization called Neighbor Space that I'm very passionate about. And they're the only nonprofit urban land trust in Chicago that preserves and sustains gardens on behalf of dedicated community groups. And one of the gardens that they support is a wonderful community garden called El Yunque in Humboldt Park. And they approached me and let me know that this garden had a lot of rat burrows and that mm-hmm. people might even not want to participate because of the rat burrows that they found them- you know, that annoying or unpleasant. That yeah. I
0: mean, p- people are essentially going to be handling rat carcasses, right? Yes. And there are concerns about that.
3: So, well, they, they didn't want to grow their vegetables there if they thought rats would be climbing around in them. So I volunteered to come on board on a pro bono basis as their scientific advisor. And I came up with a plan where they would use above ground tamper resistant locking bait stations that contain traps and that I would volunteer my company's time and efforts and machinery to do um, fumigation of the burrows to get a big head start where we would really knock down the population significantly. And with these two factors combined, as well as clearing items that could have been rat harborage that weren't needed, like boards and things that were laying there and changing the way they do composting, they have gone from being a garden that had rats to being a completely rat-free garden. And their approach has been pesticide-free, totally sustainable, and, you know, know, in keeping with our environmental values. And I think that this really demonstrates um, that people can take a really important role in, you know, whatever postage stamp size piece of the earth they're responsible for, for doing the rat mitigation on that property. I was really moved by Mina Bloom's reporting in her article, Why Chicago is Losing the War on Rats, when she talked about uh, the Weinbergers, who didn't wait for the city to address their problem. And they trapped 45 rats over, I think, a five-month period in their backyard. Well, I'm reading all these things about, you know, smart boxes and cities investing hundreds of thousands of dollars to trap rats with hundreds of thousands of dollars across a city yeah. and you know only trap a 1,000 rats, whereas the Weinbergers trapped 45 in their own yard. El Yunque cleared out their entire rat problem. So I think that we really need to think about what we can do in terms of public education and very simple equipment to empower people to trap and remove rats on their own properties. Yeah.
0: No, uh, great joint reporting there by uh, Casey Toner and, and Mina Bloom. Casey, what will you all be following up with next?
2: Uh, well I think we're gonna follow up uh, with the Inspector General's audit of the road and control program. I think Mina and I are, are very interested in that. Um, and I also have you know my eyes on following up what happens with um, you know these companies that are managed by Suzy B. Wilson and the Chicago Transit Authority needing one of these properties for the Red Line Extension Project. And, and this company is, you know, in debt to the city of Chicago by a couple hundred thousand dollars. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of deal um, that that she makes with the city going forward.
0: We've been talking with Casey Toner of the Illinois Answers Project, Mina Bloom, investigative reporter for Block Club Chicago, and Rebecca Fife, director of research at Landmark Pest Management. Thank you all so much. That rat episode of Reset was produced by Linnea Dominic and edited by Ethan Schwab and Dan Tucker. If you learned something today, don't forget to smash that like and subscribe button so you never miss a chance to learn a thing or two about things that are happening in and around Chicago. We post episodes daily with an extra special pod for you on Saturdays. Well, that's it for Reset today. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk again soon.